I do have a sermon prepared. I might get to it. I might not. <laughs> First, I want to talk to you guys just because I missed you. Is that cool? Um, and I don't have anyone else to talk to. Because <laughs> I'm old and I've got a bunch of jobs and I don't have time. And I'm tired of talking to Tracy. <laughs> I'm not tired of talking to Tracy. <laughs> Tracy already knows what I'm going to say. And she already, she's like, I know. You already told me that three times yesterday. I don't have anybody else to talk to. Um, <laughs> so... Well, we, we did enjoy our trip. I keep saying, people keep asking me, do you have fun? Do you enjoy your trip? And I always say, yes, I'm just glad to be home. So that kind of sounds bad. But we really did enjoy the trip. We saw some beautiful things. Um, it, <laughs> a little cynical, I talked to people about it. Ben and I talked about it. You go to one beautiful beach, and then you get on a boat, and you go to another beautiful beach. And it's just kind of like the other beautiful beach. <laughs> it's like blue water and sand, and then the next one. It's all really beautiful. Um, but for me, and I'm being, I always say this as if I'm not genuine anytime, but I'm being completely genuine. Like every, I really try to make every day a vacation. Like I try to make the absolute best of every day. And so when we go on vacation, it's just an extension of that. And it's just like we're far away from home on vacation. But to me, I, I mean, I'm with family and I'm fine. Whether we're on a ship or on a plane or wherever we're going. But to kind of catch you guys up that didn't know, we, we almost double booked. A friend of mine asked if I would officiate a wedding in Texas, in Austin, Texas. Um, and we agreed to that. And they bought plane tickets for us and everything for us to do that. And then... Someone else invited us to go on a cruise and, and paid for us to go on a cruise. And they almost, like one day we like woke up and we're like, oh no, these I think are at the same time. Where they're not, we just literally had to get off of one, we had to get off the ship and then change a flight so that we could jump on a flight like it was that close together. So we were, literally went on, a, went on a cruise and then we got off the cruise, like an eight-day cruise was it? It was a long cruise, like an eight-day cruise. And got off the, got off the ship and then our kids went home with, with Tracy's family and then, um, which is my family, our family. And then, uh, just your family, home with your family. And then we jumped on a plane and flew to Texas. Well, in the midst of all this, as some of you know, and some of you have been praying for me too, I was having some health issues. I thought I was having a heart attack a couple times, and I think it's gallbladder issues. But at the same time, before I left, I was having some of those issues. Uh, you guys know I've been is- having issues with my stomach. And I went to a doctor, and they discovered some things. I don't want to get into all the details. Um, but I kind of doubled up on some medicine, and I think a combination of the medicine, my lips swole up real big, like I, swole, like I ate a bee. I thought it was going to pop. It was so strange. I was like, well, this isn't right. <laughs> so, so then they're like, take, take uh, two Benadryl and two like Zyrtec or whatever and don't go to sleep. I'm like, a half of one of those puts me out. Like, okay, because you might stop breathing and die. Hmm. All right. So, yeah, so Tracy's like, you okay? I'm like, uh, okay. So, um, and then a week later, we're in Texas and it did it again. So we thought it was one medication. It wasn't that medication. So I don't know. We still have no clue what it is. I think it was something. We're not sure. So my lips swell up again. So we ended up getting another flight. And I felt like I was just going to die. Like I felt horrible. So we moved our flight up early and flew home early. And on, seriously, like, seriously, on the way to the airport, we were just so ready to be home. Trace and I both were just like, we're ready to be home. You know, originally my idea was we're going to be, you know, to be just me and you away from the kids. We're going to have fun in San Antonio. We'll just go, like, see the town and everything. And we're just like, I just want to go home and see the kids. <laughs> I just want to go home and see, see our church family. And so uh, on the way to the airport, um, we, uh, we listened to, to Ben and Buddy's sermons from both Sundays. And I'm telling you, it was like medicine. It really was. It was like, oh, just hearing, I mean, how, how just completely seamless it was. We didn't, we didn't leave you guys lacking at all. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit was just as, as strong and powerful through those guys and through you guys. I could hear y'all's reactions, and I was just like, oh, I just can't wait to be home. And, uh, and even one point, Buddy said, uh, said something about me rambling, as I'm probably doing now. Um, he was like, uh, y'all are used to that if y'all listen to Justin preaching. He's like, I hope you're listening, Justin, and me and Tracy. <laughs> Started busting out laughing in the car. I was like, ah, oh, we are listening. You got me, Buddy. Uh, so anyway, so those guys, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Both of you guys stepping in. Buddy's working today, I believe. Um, but both of you guys stepping in. And, man, I can't wait to, to hear you guys more often, too. That was both very good, so I appreciate that. Anyway, so we made it back home. The cool thing about the whole trip is even in the midst of all the kind of health issues, we did enjoy ourselves. We had fun. We got to meet a lot of neat people. Um, I briefly told you guys on social media, if you, if you keep up with me on there, that we met a guy named Leslie on this tiny little seven-mile island um, that has, had a little sign on his, on his van, which opened up the door for me to start talking to him, um, which, by the way, Tracy said I sounded like a pastor a lot on this trip. I was like, how do I normally sound? She's like, you sounded a lot like a pastor. You kept preaching to everybody. I was like, I wasn't preaching. I was just talking about talking about the Lord. It's just what I do sometimes, but whatever. But, uh, but anyway, so I started talking to this guy, and, and uh, 
just asking him about the church and different things like that. And it blew my mind that on this tiny little island, I mean, I don't remember how many people it was. It wasn't very many people. I should listen better. But there were still all the denominations. Like, there was probably not enough people to fill one of the buildings <laughs> one of those churches. But there was every, uh, most of the mainstream denominations were on that. And I was like, ha, ah, why can't we just get along? Why can't we just all come together and worship God? And it, everything kind of reminds me of our church because we are a very diverse church from different backgrounds and different histories. And, uh, but anyway, talking to him, he got to pray for people because the port brought you know, a lot of money to their, their island. It was a small island. It was Grand Turk is what it was. And, uh, but brought a lot of people through there. And so he drives the tour buses and stuff. So he gets to pray for like thousands and thousands of different people. And it's really cool to talk to him and hang out with him. And I prayed for him and his family um, before we left. It was really cool. And then we went to Texas. I caught, we caught up with my stepsister who I haven't seen in 10 years probably. Um, and come to find out she's like a nutritionalist. And so she began to help me with some of my stomach issues there. Stuff I already knew, but my body's been screaming at me, please stop forcing this garbage down my throat. Um, <laughs> and so my body's been telling me that for a long time. And like I said, after worship, I'm very hard-headed. And so the experience of about a four-hour nightmare <laughs> on the floor in the bathroom of the ship um, really said, you know what? Maybe I do need to change my diet a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Body, I think you're telling me something. Uh, and so... So seriously, like the last few weeks, I've like gotten rid of, and I'm not trying to give you a health thing, but I've just gotten rid of a lot of the junk that I've been eating and started eating healthier, more bland things, not spe specifically for some of the issues that I'm having. I'm not telling you to go eat bland everything. But for me, the last two days, and Tracy will tell you, I've been up and like, I've felt great the last two days, um, have been so good. I think part of it's being home, part of it's prayer, and part of it is just eating better. Just, just being smart about what I'm eating. I know, bland food gets me upset too. <laughs> it's just temporary. I think I'm going to get through it. All right. I mean, I, I'm going to continue to eat healthy, but not necessarily bland. All right. I digress. So I got to talk to her. Um, lots of people that I haven't seen in a long time. My friend, my friend's mom, her family, his family, some friends. We got to pray for a guy that had Parkinson's disease. Um, yeah, I mean, it was incredible because... I mean, we, knew, we know somebody that's been healed of Parkinson's disease. This isn't third-hand. We knew him. And so I got to talk, tell her about them. We talked to them. They live in California. They've got a house for us. We're going to go visit them. <laughs> they were like, man, if you guys come visit, because we've, we've said we want to visit the West Coast. We've never been there. Um, and they said, man, y'all are welcome to come. We've got a nice place. Y'all are welcome to stay. So we're like, we're not joking. We're going we're to come sleep in your house at some point. Um, but anyway, her husband has Parkinson's disease, and we got to talk, I mean, spent most of the the, the wedding was on a boat going down Lake Austin. And we spent most of the time talking to them. We talked to several other people, and, um, but we spent most of the time talking to them. And it was one of those times where you're like, ah, I don't want to be weird, but I really feel like I need to do this. And so we got to pray for him, and it was really cool. So we'll, we'll hopefully talk about that a little bit more lately, but later, not lately. Um, but what I do want to talk about is a bit of an extension of what um, Ben and Buddy talked about. Uh, both of them kind of touched on this subject and moved on to the direction that they were going which was awesome, but there was a, a common thread um, through both of their sermons, and what I found was it kind of took us all the way back to Genesis and our identity in God and, and God creating us in his image, and the very first sermon that I, that I preached here when I gave my testimony was on image, if you guys remember, some of you guys, um, and it was about icon or the, the, the image of God, and uh, I began to think about that as I was listening to their sermons and then kind of my perspective on it. And I always, like I said, I always relate things back to my life because I'm, that's, just, that's just who I am. I learn, that, I learn through experiences, and I learn through seeing things and seeing other people in lives. And part of this vacation, uh, and I've titled it The Perfect Vacation. I may change it at some point. Not as cool as Ben's, Naked and Unafraid. That was pretty impressive. I've never heard anybody say naked so many times. <laughs> I was relieved because Tracy, I keep messing with Tracy. I'm sorry. It's, today's your day. Tracy always gives me a hard time about saying sucks because that's in my vocabulary. I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. She's like, you can't say that when you're up there. Like, I'm sorry. I suck. Now, anyway, so <laughs> it's just in my vocabulary. It just means I'm not doing very good, but I need to change my vocabulary, I guess. Anyway, so thank you. Got me off the hook a little bit for saying some awkward things. So anyway, so on this vacation, I, um, I, there's always the stress of trying to, to make sure your kids have fun on a vacation. Like I said, it's, it's all the same to me. I'm going to enjoy life regardless of where we are. We're on the ship, and my, my hat kind of turns onto protection mode because I'm the dad, and I'm just, my stress level goes up a little bit because I'm like, where? Well, I asked myself these questions. I wrote them down. Where are they? Where are my kids? I want to know where they are all the time. And on a ship, you're on a ship. They're not going to go very far. 
but at the same time, I'm, I'm protective. I've, I've seen some of the things that can happen to kids because I experienced a lot of those when I was younger. And so my, 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 uh, my radar's up, if that makes sense. Um, some of you know my history know what I'm talking about. But so my radar's up, and I'm like, oh, I just want to be careful and make sure my kids are safe. Right? It seems like a good fatherly thing to do. So where are my kids? I want to know where they are. I want to know if they're safe. I want to know if they're having fun, right? I don't want my kids to have fun. I don't want them to enjoy themselves. Um, I was telling somebody about it. I was like, we could have never left the port, and they could have just done the little slide, and they would have been fine. We were at one point, I do have to tell you this. It doesn't have anything to do with my sermon, but it cracked me up. At one point, one of, we don't have any service or anything, but one of them was playing a game on her phone on a, on, a, uh, on a tour to go up into the rainforest in Puerto Rico. And I mean, beautiful rainforest and mountains. And I'm like, hey, put your phone down and look out the window. You're going through, you're, we're, we're coming out of a metropolitan area into the, the mountains of the rainforest. And she's like, this just looks like Birmingham. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Anyway, I had to tell you that. This just looks like Birmingham. Mm. Get off your phone. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I, I just I want, I want to make sure my kids are having fun. I want them to enjoy themselves. Um, I, I, want to, I, I hope that they're being nice to people, right? I, I hope my kids are being respectful and nice to people. I hope people are being nice to them. I hope they're learning something, getting something from the different people, different cultures, um, different experiences. I want all these things for my kids. And to me, these are very simple but genuine fatherly things that, that I have for my kids, right? And I would think most of us do. Most of you guys that have kids would want these things for your kids all the time, and especially on vacation. You want to know that they're safe. You want to know they're having fun. You want to know that hopefully they're being nice to people. People, people are being nice to them. Um, hopefully they're learning something. They're getting some, some good life experiences from it. So we're going to look at the, 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 <laughs> the whole identity thing all the way from Genesis 2. And, and if you know me, I'm, I'm a bit of a people watcher. Some people may say I'm a creeper. I'm not a creeper. But I like to watch people, and on the ship especially, it's very interesting to watch people and people's mannerisms and the way that they do things. Have you ever done that? Am I alone? You ever watch people and see how people act? And <laughs> you're my new best friend. Does anybody remember? God, I'm getting way off topic. Does anybody? I hope you're listening, buddy. I'm doing this too. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you remember McDonald's in the mall that used to face out? You could sit out. Did y'all ever people watch in there? That was my favorite place. I'd be like, I don't even know you're hungry for McDonald's, but I just want to watch people and give them fake names and what their jobs are. And the same thing. And, and when we were, we were traveling through Texas, too, it's on the ships, on the plane. I'm on the plane. I'm thinking all these people are going different places, and they're doing different things, and they have their own lives and their kids and these different things. And so I watch people and see how they do it. It's funny how people act. It's funny how people act, especially when they know other people are watching them. And when you're out on, like, the pool deck and everybody's in their bathing suits, man, People act real funny, and it's hard to keep a straight face, and it's hard not to take pictures because it's like, this is awkward. I don't take pictures in their bathing suits, but people act pretty funny when they're in the bathing suits, and there were lots of different, I'm not going to get into all of them, lots of different things I could use for certain illustrations, but to, to, to kind of cover them all, people are pretty self-conscious, right, about their image. Would you say that's pretty fair? We all are. I mean, I'm not, I'm not immune to that. I am too. My, mine specifically is my beard. For some reason, God has blessed me with an off-color white beard. And it makes me drive, I guess because I'm OCD about being symmetrical, my, the white grows crooked in my beard. So I've dyed it a few times, but then my face itches for like a month. And I'm like, it's not worth it. I don't care that much about the way I look. But then I look at it, I'm like, that's crooked. My face is crooked. I can't fix it. Anyway, we're all, <laughs> I, die, I, give, I know, if it would just come in, maybe I just need to dye it white. And, and then I get tired of people saying, you've got like mayonnaise or some whipped cream right there. No, I don't. It's just my hair. I can't decide where it grows white. Anyway, so, so, we're all, <laughs> so we're all self-conscious in some way. We, we, we worry about our image or the way that we look, right? Um, and so going all the way back to my original sermon, too, this, this whole image thing about how we're created in God's image. We hear this when we're kids. Even, I didn't grow up in church, but I heard it when I was a kid. We're made in God's image. I always thought, okay, well, my, God probably has a nose and two ears and an eyes and a mouth or whatever. We're made in God's image. Well, the, the Greek image is the word icon, which is where we get um, it's E-I-K-O-N, I think, with a little above the O. Um, I may be pronouncing it incorrectly, but it's where we get the word icon from. Um, but what it means is, is not necessarily, and actually, I looked it up, and I meant to write it down, but I didn't. Um, I'll just do it. Or did I, did I put it in here? Oh, I did. I wrote it in here. Look at me. I did something right. Greek, <laughs> the, the word image in Genesis 127, so God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So icon, or icon is not just that we have noses and ears and mouth. It, uh, in the Greek, it assumes a prototype of which it not merely resembles, but from which it is drawn. So icon, or, or, or the image that we bear of Christ, is not that we just physically look like Christ. It's that we carry his very nature and character in us. That's what icon means. That's what icon is. So the, there's, a, there's a split there when we, we begin to see that it's not, and this, man, this, this goes so well to what the Lord was telling me through worship about just focusing on him, just focusing on him, and not focusing on ourselves so much. And I'm telling you, I don't understand why a lot of these girls wear these small bathing suits because they spend 95% of the time, like, pulling them constantly. That's what I was cracking up. I was like, I just want to count how many times you're just like, and they're looking around, and it's like, is my hair right? My glasses right? You know, everything's got to be perfect. And, and, and we have this idea that our image is all about us, but our image isn't about us, it's about Christ. Because in, in, as, as, we, as we come to this new place, it's, it's like we say all the time, God is not trying to make bad people good. <laughs> He's, he, all, he can, all he can do because of who he is is bring dead people to life. And so when we're brought into this new life, what we have is we have a remembrance of what our old life was like, and so sometimes we can try to revert to that, but that's not who we are. This is the difference of what we, uh, we talk about an acorn. Is an acorn an oak tree? An acorn is an oak tree. It hasn't seen its full potential yet, but it is no less an oak tree because it's an acorn. You are no less righteous and holy because of, of what you see through a limited perspective now because God's perspective is much broader. So we don't, well, essentially we don't, limit, we don't limit God's reality to our perspective of it. Does that make sense? We don't... I say we don't. We do. We try to sometimes, don't we? We try to bring this back to a place where we can, <laughs> where we can control it. How futile. <laughs> How frustrating it is to try to control a God who is in control. This is what religion tries to do. Religion tries to imitate something that it's not instead of being who it was created to be, which is relationship, which is together. It's, it's what we're drawn from. It's Christ was the prototype to show us that man and God together could be together. We, like uh, Buddy, I think, was mentioning about we are the temple. Now the temple is us. We are the temples of God walking around. We're walking, talking temples. So if you sound like a pastor sometimes, it's okay. (laughs) You don't have to say thee and thou to sound like a pastor. You don't need to sound like a pastor at all. I don't know what I'm talking about. When when we, how can I say it this way? When we express God's love, you can use words sometimes. When we express God's loves, when we express God's love, agape love, unconditional love, it is demonstrated in every area of our lives. Whether it's raising our kids, dealing with you know, in-laws or whatever, not anything wrong with in-laws, dealing with root family, which can be even more difficult sometimes, dealing with um, work issues, with school issues. When, when, when you or in a relationship with the Father of the universe. Everything you do flows from that place in your character, your, your icon, your image. You, you bear that image all the time. You don't hang it on the door when you leave this place and then go out there and go, okay, well, I'm on my own now, and if I don't have the right worship song on or the right pastor preach to me this time or this specific thing, listen, we're not narrowing down. God. That's why, same thing about, man, our church, I love our church. I, I missed being here so badly, but how, man, to hear the messages that were preached in here when I was gone was just so powerful to me. It was just so good. And, and it's, just a test, it's just a testify of, of how good God is and how it's not about me. <laughs> it's not about any specific thing or any specific type. And, and you can, and Ben even mentioned this too, we all have different personalities and different ways of speaking and teaching and Mine's going to be different than Ben's and Buddy's and Andrew's and anybody that comes in here and speaks. It's going to be different. There's going to be a different style or a different approach to things. And when we get to a place, especially when I look at those little Seven Mile Islands and all those different denominations, listen, if we could just get to a place, if we could just get to a place where we could see the most important thing as the most important thing and push all that stuff aside for the sake of love, then we would begin to see, I I believe, a greater manifestation of, of of the reality of, of the kingdom on earth. Because what would happen is, God, this is so powerful. I want to try to say it right. What I believe what will happen is, we talk about this perfect bride that Jesus is coming back for. Listen, if, 
if we're inviting people, I'm getting on a soapbox and way off of what I want to talk about, but I have to say this because I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading it. If we would get, if we would get off of this, these, some of these denominational barriers, because here's why. When we invite people to come, we want you to come to our church, or we, we want to invite you into this relationship that's Christianity, and then they see, you, you guys can't even get along with yourselves. What does that speak to them? This goes along with, with racial barriers as well. If, if we can't see through, if we can't see through cultural differences, if we can't let love lead in places that people before us couldn't, how will we ever see more of the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth? I don't think that we can. And, and, I've, and I've struggled, I struggle with this for years because I feel like I'm not as intelligent as many other people, and I'm not. <laughs> there are many people that are much more intelligent than I am. And I struggled with this in the beginning when I began to see it, and the Lord began to reveal it to me because I thought there's no way that I'm, like I'm getting something that all these other theologians before me haven't got. Well, come to find out, there were many theologians that did get it. I just didn't hear about them. I just didn't know about them. I'd, I'd been limited to a little bit of the Bible Belt and certain, certain things that I'd heard. The fact is, this has been happening since, since Jesus. This, this isn't a new thing. Grace isn't some new movement. This is the reality that we live in. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get a mic so we can hear it on the podcast. <laughs> Something that has really been on my heart the last couple of weeks is, you know, everybody is going through something, but hardly anybody has the support that they need when they're going through something. And the reason is because we're so busy in our division and our dividedness that we may look at that person and not consciously think you're not worth fighting for, but our actions and our attitude towards those people because we don't agree with them has a very clear message. Oh, yeah. You, you weren't worth fighting for. I don't love you enough to fight for you. And... Um, you know, I, I, I got to thinking, well, yeah, I mean, the Christianese would say, well, Jesus fights for you, but how is the world and how are we supposed to know right. that Jesus fights for us if the hands and feet of Jesus That's true. aren't fighting and for I, each other? And I, <clears throat> I posted something several weeks ago, and I'll probably misquote myself, but it was something to the effect of withholding affection can can hurt more than an insult sometimes. And what we do is, <clears throat> and you, you guys know this, uh, we, can, we can say something without saying something, right? We can say something without saying it. If we, if we avoid people or if we, we, we don't reach out, um, then we can say something without saying it. And so we are, and, and, this, the, and speaking of hands and feet, this is, this is what's gotten us in this mess, it's the eye saying, man, feet, why don't you see like me? Or hand saying, you know, mouth, why are you always talking all the time? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's, the, that's the denominational barrier. It's like, why are y'all, why do, you, why do you do it this way? When we're doing the same thing, we're just doing it in a different way, right? Because it's good to hear, but sometimes we need to see. And sometimes we need to walk. So we have all these different gifts, and instead of them um, gathering and, and building sustenance in the church, they divide us. It doesn't make any sense at all to me. This is the, the very thing that should be strengthening the church is diversity. It's the very thing that divides it. It should be strengthening the church. When you have someone who, who, <clears throat> who's more outgoing um, and, and is more passionate about certain things, man, that's a strength. That, and they may be weak in another area where another person may, may hold back and is not as, as outgoing, but their strength is in a different area. Listen, there... We will divide over some of the simplest things. It's so ridiculous how, how quickly we can be, in a fit, we can be offended. We, we talk about several times, and even leadership meetings we'll talk about, we practice to be unoffendable. We want to be unoffendable here. Why is that? It's not just catchy to say. It's because when you let love lead, then that changes your perspective on everything that you do. Now, it's not about me being right and you being wrong, or you being right and me being wrong. We can both be right. And may still disagree on some things. There may be some things that we disagree on. I'm not talking about core values here. I'm talking about life. This is life that we deal with. And we, and, and we will grab an offense and hang on to it. And that other person can let go of it for months. And you're hanging on to it. And it's making you miserable. And they've forgotten about it. I could get into relations with that. But that's a completely different story. Don't hang on to that stuff. All right. Um, that's completely off topic. Image. <laughs> um, but good. We need, I mean, we need to talk about this stuff. 
uh, what does God look like? We talk about image, but what does he look like? <clears throat> Genesis 2.15, if you want to go there. Um, I'll be hanging out in Genesis for a little while. Genesis 2.15, we'll go on to 3, possibly. I'm going way over 2. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God uh, took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So what happens when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You die. It's pretty simple, right? What happens when you eat from the, knowledge of the, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What happens? You die. It's pretty simple. But, every, but, the, but the other trees you can eat from. Um, does, it, does it matter what branch of that tree that you eat from? Does it? Okay. I'll stop there. I'll elaborate in a minute. Genesis 3.1, I'm, I'm just skipping down. Genesis 3.1 says, now the serpent, this was after, okay, God created man and woman in his own image, in his likeness. Um, they're walking with God in the cool of the day. Everything's good. They have a good relationship. Um, God commands them, hey, you're free to eat from these other trees, um, but don't eat from this, from this specific tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 3.1 says, now the serpent, the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that... This is, this is the beginning of the mess. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he's questioning God's image, God's character right now, okay? He's saying, did God really say this? It's not, about the, it's not even at the trees yet. He's just questioning God's character and his image and the trust issue. Did God really say it? And the woman said to the serpent, we, we may eat from the, from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die, which he did not say anything about touching Verse 4, you will certainly not die. That's the first lie, right? Because we just heard that you would die. <laughs> Pretty straightforward, right? So Satan straight up lies right off the jump. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Boom. Second lie. She was already like God, right? She was made, it says, you were made, man and woman, in the likeness of God. You were made in the image of God. She was already like God, so the serpent's lying to her a second time. <clears throat> second time. So you'd be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit in the tree was good, uh, good for food and pleasing the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, <laughs> gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they, now their focus is, what's happening to their focus? It's taking off God, and where is it going? On themselves. They're looking at their, their physical image now. Um, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they began to be self-referential. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among, among the trees in the, of the garden. The Lord God called to, to the man, where are you? Now listen, this goes back to, to what I was talking about my kids. I want to know where my kids are, right? God wasn't saying, where are you? Like he's angry with them. He wanted to walk with them. He's like, hey, where are my kids? Right? Where, where are you guys? He was looking for them. And he answered, I saw you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And this is... This is this is what breaks my heart because as a father, I see this. He says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I think this really broke God's heart. Who told you that you were naked? Who revealed this to you? This was, this was not God's heart for you to, to deal with this. God had, God had not designed us to deal with this. This wasn't, wasn't for us. Listen, the, the closest thing, and this is a mild, mild in comparison, but the closest thing I can relate this to um, was Jordan, my youngest, uh, it's the first time that I can recall that she's blatantly lied to me. Um, she, we, we have, we've had an iPad for years. It's, it's just an iPad we use for the kids to play games and stuff on, and we've had it in a case. For some reason, I took it out of the case, and I was going to start using it for work. It had been lost in a box somewhere. I found it. I was like, hey, I'm use this for work. So I charged it up and put it in my truck, and we got it in my truck one day, apparently, and she was playing games on it, and it had no case on it. And what happens with any Apple product, you don't have a case on it. It explodes. She dropped, she dropped it, and it, it busted the screen. Well, well, I didn't know. Later on that day, I saw it somewhere, and I picked it up, and I was like, man, all the corners were, like, banged up, and it was cracked across the screen. And I was like, this has definitely been dropped. I mean, this, this was, it wasn't like this before. 
I called all the kids. I was like, hey, did, you know, did one of you drop? And I wasn't like furious or anything. I was like, hey, what happened to the iPad? And I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. I think it was like that or whatever, you know. And uh, <clears throat> well, finally, Kylie, the great equalizer of the family, figured out enough. She probably drilled Jordan in a corner with like a light. Like, what'd you do? Came and kind of threw me some hints. Like, I think Jordan dropped it when she got out of the truck. I asked her and she laughed. And when she laughed, she like made this whole like drawn out thing. I was like, I don't know. I trust Kylie. She's pretty, she's pretty clever. So I was like, Jordan, you know, hey, did you, what happened? Did you drop the iPad? And you could see her just kind of, you know, I was like, oh, she did. And, she, and I'd asked her before and she said no. I was like, oh, you lied to me. That broke my heart. I was like, I'm not worried about the iPad. It's just a, it's old anyway. I mean, I'm not that concerned with, you know, whether it has value or not. That's not the concern. And I tried to explain that to her. Look, don't, don't lie to me about stuff. Don't ever be afraid of me, especially to that point where you would lie to me about something like that. It, her dropping it didn't break my heart, but the, the, the broken fellowship broke my heart, right? The trust that she didn't trust me or she thought that whatever it was broke my heart. And I think that's what's the closest thing I can relate to that is this. I was saying, man, I don't want, I don't want you to experience any distrust here. I want you to know that, that I'm good and I created you to be good. And I don't want there to be any barrier there. God's never wanted there to be a barrier there. He's never wanted that. The reason why it's important to see that is because if we think that, that Jesus is, for some reason, our theology that I've seen in, in, in many circles um, is that God is angry and Jesus is not. And, and like God is completely opposite of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. Well, it is because of Jesus. But God and Jesus are the same. <laughs> it says, even in the beginning, we... Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is a community <laughs> of himself. So Jesus isn't separate from God. God loved us from the beginning, and he loves us all the way through into redemption through Jesus. We have to see that from the beginning. So God didn't want separation at all. So through this, he saw, okay, it broke his heart. Verse 12, the man said, the woman you put here with me, <laughs> she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The blame Here, here starts the blame game, yeah. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is, it this, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. Blame, yeah. How quickly we don't take ownership of, of what's going on and what we've done, and they, they quickly did that. So the fruit wasn't the issue. God was dealing with the real issue, which was the trust issue. God desires nothing more for you to trust him, to genuinely trust him for who he is, not for what you can do. Let me say that again. God wants nothing more than for you to know him for who he is, not for what you can do or cannot do. Because doing is just a result of knowing. True knowing of who you are will change everything that you do. Let's look at these two trees. We have these trees that they eat from that is the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They eat from the tree of life. What do they get? It's easy. Tree of life produces life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil produces death. God gives fruit freely. Did he charge them anything for this fruit? Did, did they owe him anything for it? No. What did Satan have to do to try to convince them to eat the fruit from the knowledge of good? He had to try to convince them of something. He had to try to convince them that they needed to eat it. Listen, this is how good the gospel is. The gospel is so good that you can just throw it out there like seeds. You can just give it away for free. No, no, we call it no strings attached, no hooks. The gospel is so good that it will draw people to it. All you have to do is cast it out. Listen, if you're trying to force feed people fruit, examine the fruit you're force feeding them. <laughs> because I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what branch came off of this knowledge of, of good and evil, whether it's a good branch or an evil branch, if you're trying to force feed the fruit from the wrong tree, then we've got problems. If you're trying to eat from the wrong tree, we've got problems. Right? Let me say this again. <laughs> the knowledge of good and evil does not bring life. It only brings death. The tree of life is the only thing that brings life. This is why Christ is paramount in everything that we do. I've been, I've been accused of, of, of using the meta-narrative or the grand story of the, of, the, of the Bible as a cop-out. To the contrary, it's the only way that you can see any scripture in its perspective, in my humble, ignorant opinion. You can't see any of the scriptures without seeing the great story of the love that God has for us. 
Because if you don't see that, then we're going to divide and have different denominations. We're going to have different. We're going to we're going to build religions based on what we see, and our perspective is very limited. The only way we can see the truth is seeing the meta narrative, the grand story. The only way we can see that is through Jesus, through through the great love story that is the Bible, the whole thing, not just bits and pieces of it. And so here we have, even from the beginning, we have this tree that produces life, real life, where we can trust God and God knows us and we know him and he is with us and we are with him. This is where we have to abandon, abandoned. We have to abandon a bit of our, how do I put this? This is something else I've been accused of is, is just abandoning all practical wisdom and teaching and I don't. Listen, don't be stupid. <laughs> I think I could sum up all that with like, come on. You know right from wrong. If, if you say you don't, you're lying. <laughs> and I can say that pretty boldly because I was, I lived in the world for 20 years. I'm 41 now. It's been, I, I was joking around. I was talking to, to Buddy about it the other day and I was like, you know, I didn't get, I'm not, you know, I'm not like you. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't get saved until I was 20. He was like, yeah, me too. Like, oh yeah. I just assumed that everybody else grew up in, you know, grew up in, 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 uh, in the church. And I didn't, but I've, I've lived longer on this side of, the, you know, of salvation than I have the other side now. It's weird. I still feel like I'm young. That's why I keep eating all this garbage. I think I'm a teenager. I'm not. I'm not young anymore. And so there are things that I see now. I've, been in, I've, been, I've seen this so long <laughs> that I can begin to try to explain things a little too much. Does that make sense? Or I can try to explain away things that are very supernatural. Um, and with with genuine Christianity, you're going to have some things eventually that you can't fully explain. I'm sorry. There are going to be some things that you can explain pretty clearly, and the Scripture helps us with that. But there are going to be instances, especially in life situations, where you're, you're not going to have a complete explanation for everything. And this is one of the greatest fears, I think, of people that, that seek to help and love people and evangelize, but are scared that they don't know enough to do it. Listen, look at the difference between, and this is a good example on this ship that we were on, you see all the, right about teenager years, sometimes even preteen, depending on what TV shows you let them watch, they'll start being more self-conscious. The kids in the pool, they didn't care. They could have their shorts on their head, and they didn't care. They was like, no, slide, whatever, right? This is, this is the difference when we begin to grow up and begin to be more self-referential instead of depending on someone else, right? As we grow, we should be more and more dependent on the Lord. Children are all dependent. They weren't worried about if they were going to be safe, right? My kids weren't worried. They, they knew that I was looking out for them. They knew that I was going to make sure that they were taken care of. They knew that they were going to eat. They knew that they were, everything was going to be okay. This is the, the real Christian life. Is like, okay, I want them to have these life experiences. The same thing I started at the beginning. I want them to have fun. I want to know they're safe. Listen, at the end of the day, I want them to know that I'm father, I'm dad, and I'm going to be there to take care of them. Listen, this is the real Christian life says, I want to learn things. I want to grow in knowledge. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. I want to have life experiences. I want to have fun. I want you guys to have fun. Listen, church can be fun. <laughs> I enjoy church, right? I didn't always enjoy church. <laughs> there was a time when I didn't enjoy coming to church. Uh, Lonnie heard some kids come and posted on the, on the Facebook page, heard some kids saying, yay, we get to go to church. It's going to be so much fun. That's awesome. This is what it should be like. When you get in these instances and, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to lead you, it's not, and it's not all uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit's not always leading you to go somewhere you don't want to go. We've talked about this before. You know, you need to do this because it's uncomfortable. No. The Holy Spirit brings peace. I'm not going to chase that rabbit too far. But listen, let me, let me, try, to, let me try to get this back because I'm already going over. Man, that clock is bright. That's like a countdown serious clock. I know our other one tried to decapitate somebody. All right. Uh, <clears throat> you, can't, you, you cannot force feed life. <laughs> Matthew 6, 7 through 13, this is the message version. I like the message version because it's just real down to earth. Uh, it says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. <laughs> They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. This is your dad you're dealing with. Listen to this. And he knows better than you what you need. <laughs> with a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And it goes on in the Lord's Prayer. Listen, with a God like this, you can pray very simply. I've actually had the opportunity to talk to a guy recently who 
has never read, you know, read scripture or anything. He just, it was a, uh, a guy I bought a jet ski from a long time ago that rides motorcycles and stuff and just kind of contacted me out of the blue. He's like, I don't know how to pray. I don't, I don't know anything about scripture. I just feel like the Lord's calling me. Started going to this conversation. I was like, hey, calm down. <laughs> Settle down, buddy. And I think that's where talking like a pastor came from. We were joking around about it. I was like, you've been, Tracy, you're talking like a pastor. Anyway, I said, listen, the way you and I talk to each other, that's how you talk to God. He's just like a, he's a, he's a dad. He's a father. Don't be, don't be intimidated by God because he wants to communicate with you. And with a God like that, and he already knows what is good for you, it should be easy for us to pray. It's not, it shouldn't be a stressful thing. So we come back to, to identity, and I kind of want to get to the end of this verse, but I want to kind of start where it talks about the first and second Adam. Uh, first, and I'm going to wrap up here. I know I'm going a little bit over. First Corinthians 15.45 says, uh, so it's written, the first, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a living spirit, a life-giving, I'm sorry, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are, of, who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of, of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so let us bear the image of the heavenly man. You see the contrast here. You've got the earthly man, which was Adam, who fell, and then the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ, who is heavenly. So now we have an opportunity. We're not going to live from the earthly man because that would be stupid. That would be dumb. We're going to live from the heavenly man. So now what does that make us? Heavenly. This makes us heavenly. We talk about what, what is holy now. You're holy. Everywhere you go is holy. You bring it with you. It's like a, a super portable temple you are. <laughs> That's marketable. Super portable temple. Take it wherever you go. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, to the, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, where does it dwell now? And you. We talk about several times. I want to try to get to the end. I'm going to quote a great theologian, Buddy McNorton. <laughs> he, said that, he said this last week, and, and it really it struck me. And I don't think he, <laughs> to his, to, his uh, to kind of balance that great theologian phrase, I don't think he realized how profound it was when he said it because <laughs> he kind of went, he just moved on right after. I was like, whoa, buddy, you should have hung out there for a while. He said, right after he said something he thought was really profound. No, I'm just kidding. That was probably profound too. He said, what glorifies God most is when you and I live in his glory and sonship before him. By default, we will bring glory to God and not even realize it. And he said that after he, he had read a scripture and he was talking about something and he read that and I really feel like the Holy Spirit just just shot that out of there for me to, to grab. Listen, when you begin to get this life, not this um, religious duty or, I said duty, not this, uh, I'm a child, I can't, or this churchianity or whatever it is, when you get past this and you begin, it's, you begin to realize it's relationship, when you begin to realize this is life and that what you're giving people is not just a new version of their life, but a brand new life, when you begin to get that, it happens naturally. And, and when somebody says, man, this is happening, you go, man, I just I want to pray for you. <laughs> I, just, I, just feel, I just feel led to, to pray for you. Not like I have to do this because this is, this is what I've been taught in the class that I've been through. This is what I want to do. Listen, when you experience the love of God, you want other people to experience it. It comes very naturally. Listen, I love riding jet skis. I love it. When we, we, we're on, on the other side of, not on the other side of the world, but we're out in pretty blue water in another pretty, pretty blue beach. And I was like, we can rent jet skis there. Let's do that. <laughs> so I want to ride jet skis. It's so much fun. I just, I just really enjoy it. Well, what's even more fun than that is watching my girls ride jet skis. How cool is that? Or some of you guys, if, if any of you guys have been out to the river, you haven't, give me a shout. We need to do this. Y'all need to enjoy it. Come ride jet skis. Andrew, you're going to ride a jet ski. What time is it? We're going to go today. Listen, I enjoy <laughs> everybody. I don't care. I do, seriously, like, this is what it is. I've, I've not, just recently, I've, 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 I've done well 
with I've had like the best sales this month, and I haven't even, like this month has barely started. And I've been out of the out of the country part of the time, and I've had the best sales. So what what's really cool is I've always had old busted stuff because I've not had a lot of money, and so I've had to keep them going. So all my old jet skis I've had to keep going. And I'm always scared to throw people on them because I don't know if they're going to sink or run. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care because I'm gonna have fun and I can fix them. But I hate. I was always timid to invite people out because I was like, yeah, it's gonna be fun, and then they'd sit there on the dock while I'm working on the jet ski the whole time. But I recently, this past year, I bought a newer jet ski that is always dependable. So I still have my old one that's still a blast. And honestly, it hadn't let me down much. Um, but now I have one. But when it has, you might be in the middle of the water somewhere. I don't know. And that's why I tell my girls, I'm like, look. <laughs> get way off topic. But I'll tell my girls, even on the old one, I'm like, look, if it sinks, you have a life jacket on. Just wait. I'll come get you. <laughs> don't panic if the jet ski sinks. But anyway, but I have a newer one that's much more dependable. And I treat it, I used to have, I used to be in a dirt bike, and so we had these little 50s, little tiny dirt bikes. And everybody that came over, I'd put them on that 50 because it's so much fun for them and it's fun to watch because a lot of times they fall off or pop a wheelie or whatever. And it's so tiny, you really don't get hurt. You get skinned up maybe a little bit. And so I, I equate my new jet ski to like a 50 for the water. So I'll throw anybody on that thing and they'll have a blast because it actually has brakes on it. It's a jet ski with brakes. So anyway, yeah, it's really cool. So I can throw anybody on that thing and they can have a blast. And I don't, I'm not afraid they're going to die or sink. Most of the time. It's still a jet ski, so I mean, if you want to be dumb, you could, but for the most part. Anyway, wow, got way off topic there. Jet skis. I enjoy seeing other people enjoy that. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. When he begins to bring bubble life in you, whether you're on a jet ski or in a supermarket or wherever you are, you're just, you're just happy to, to, to be fellowshipping with God all the time. And when you see other people that either don't have that or struggling with that, all you genuinely want to do is help them. It's just, a, it's just a natural byproduct of this relationship. Listen, you hang out with someone long enough, you'll pick up their traits. Your, your, your mannerisms will change. Your, your language will change. You'll say things you didn't used to say because they say it. It's the same way with God. We're hanging out with God all the time, and when he begins to see things, you go, you know what, now I see that. I never saw that before. You're right. I need to, I need to do this. Or not even, listen, I don't, I don't want to try to narrow that down. I don't know what it looks like. This is what freedom does for you guys. It may be cut somebody's grass. It may be... Give somebody a hug. It may be compliment someone. <laughs> Guys, be careful with that if it's a female and you're married. Compliment appropriately. There's a fine line there. You'll know the difference. Be nice to people. Like, this is a simple process. When the Holy Spirit leads you, you do it. He leads, we do. Not the other way around. We don't do things to try to get him to do what we want. That's what the, the message version was so clear is. Stop trying to twist God's arm into doing things through, through manipulation and these plans and these schemes that you have. God's already doing stuff. Just get involved with what he's doing. It's better than your, what you're doing anyway. Nah. Um, <laughs> this is a quote from, from uh, Robert Farrar Capone. I, I suggest you look him up. He's, a, he's one of the ones that I didn't know existed when I began to understand this thing. His writings are very colorful and, and very exciting and sometimes risque, uh, but I love, his, I, I love his style of writing. Lots of us like different styles. I like his style. Um, but I love this. Um, Robert Ferrar Capone. Sounds like a gangster, right? He's a, <laughs> a spiritual gangster. <laughs> I keep <laughs> my mind, man. It just goes. All right. Um, he said this. And, and, I, and the reason I say this is because you, there's, a, there's a point in which we have to, like I said, I'm not telling you to abandon all logic. Don't be stupid. If you need advice, I have, we have elders in this church and leadership that I talk to, and especially even with finances and stuff, we, we, we come together, and I love having good godly counsel. This is a very good and powerful thing. But in life, there are times when you have to look past your own understanding of things because by the very core of who we are and what we believe, it goes a bit beyond what we can understand. Because like another good writer that I do enjoy, but he... He doesn't let me sleep at night because he's so deep is C.S. Lewis who says Jesus was either who he said he was, um, the son of God performing all the miracles that he did, or he was insane like a man who says he's a poached egg. There's, there's no in-between. Same thing with the tree of, yeah, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. You, there's only one tree you can eat from. Same way, there's sometimes we, there are going to be moments in our life when we have to come to grips that we don't understand something. Buddy, Buddy also said this, you're going to have to let go um, how did he say it? I'm going to misquote him. I actually put it on Facebook the other day. There are going to be times where we have to 
basically put down our understanding to see what, what God's really doing. I'm, I'm butcher that quote, so don't quote me on that. I'll give you this parable. People are already leaving because they probably have to go to work. All right, parables, uh, this is from Robert Farquharpone. Parables are told only because they are true, not because the actions of the characters in them can be rep- recommended for imitation. Good Samaritans are regularly sued. Fathers who give parties for wayward sons are rightly rebuked. Employers who pay equal wages for unequal work have labor relations problems. And any shepherd who makes a practice of leaving 99 sheep to chase after a lost one quickly goes out of the sheep ranching business. The parables are true, listen to this, only because they are like what God is like. Not because they are models for us to copy. It is simply a fact that the one thing we dare not under any circumstances imitate is the only thing that can save us. The parables are, one and all, about the foolishness by which grace raises the dead. They apply to no sensible process at all, only to the divine insanity that brings everything out of nothing. Now listen to this for a minute. There's a difference in imitating something and being an image bearer. You imitate something that you are not. But you bear the image of something that you actually are. Because by very definition, the icon, icon, you are drawing, drawing from that source. So we talked about an acorn. I also posted about a bird. A bird can fly before it's ever born. It's a bird. That's what they do. They're designed to fly. You are righteous and holy, and you are meant to share that with other people. But before you can ever share it with anybody else, you have to realize that you have it. You are a bird, (laughs) even if you're not flying yet. So even if the outward manifestations aren't present yet, that's inside you. If you've accepted Christ in your heart, your heart will begin to produce these things. The difference in religion and relationship is don't try to produce something that you're not. Realize that you can't do it except Christ and he can do it through you. Stand up with me. There's a, there's a reality that we have, to, we have to come to and it's not our reality, it's his reality. And when we step into that reality, it's like a deep breath. It's like a, it's like a breath of fresh air. For me, it's like a, I'm a car guy too. It's like a turbocharger. It's like, whoo, where did that come from? That was nice. I go much faster now. I can do things that I couldn't do before. Listen, let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does in you. And when you, when you operate from that place, you'll be much more at peace than when you're stressing out about things that you can and cannot do because he will let you do things that you couldn't do anyway. Father, we love you and we praise you. Lord, uh, as we leave this building, uh, we used to have churches that said the church has left the building. <laughs> and so, Father, as we leave this building, that's what's happening. The church is, is uh, only dividing long enough to, uh, to just spread the good news. And we'll come back together next Sunday and celebrate. And we give testimonies in this place, Lord, and we hear from different people. Father, work and move in us. Holy Spirit, just stir us up in every situation that we come into. Lord, help us see that we live from that place. And Father, just as as grace has shown us, we live from glory to glory. And so it's not I win and you lose, but we all win. (laughs) Because we get to see new, brand new sons and daughters brought into the family of God. So, Father, we thank you for that seal in our hearts and uh, just, just remind us of that joy every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen.